podcast family and welcome to caregiving is a ministry where we look at the word of God through the lens of caregiving I hope you're doing well today we are in the last part of the first letter of Peter the apostle Peter and so we're going to continue on I'm reading from the new revised standard version and so as I have been doing I'll read a number of scriptures and then we'll discuss so chapter 4 verses 8 through 13. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whatever whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's suffering, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. Now it's chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Now as an elder myself and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. Verses 6 through 10 in chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith, for you know that you are brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you had suffered, have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Hmm. So we have Peter, the same Peter who Jesus said that upon his face, the rock, he would establish the church. And we see after Jesus' ascension that Peter did, you know, rise to become the leader of the apostles, working with James and John, that inner circle of Christ, to bring unity to the believers. So upon that rock, exactly as Jesus said, it's Peter making sure things are happening as they should. This, these remaining chapters in this first letter really speak to behaviors. And as we've discussed in the previous episode, his letter is meant to be read by a multitude of churches throughout Asia Minor. And of course, for us today, 
he doesn't pinpoint a particular church or congregation. So someone could argue that this letter is generic or general in nature, which is okay. But notice the theme of love that he speaks to. Did not Paul also address um, to the churches whom he wrote to the unity and to love one another? To me, that suggests that the early sisters and brothers may have had a little bit of a problem being lovingly toward each other. Don't you think? Just a question. (laughs) But do we always exhibit love to one another in the church? Or do we at times look like the world that we live in, using hurtful words, gossiping, you know, about each other, talking behind each other's back? I'd say yes, we are. And so this letter, or yes, we do, but, you know, this letter is very relevant for us today, as if um, it was written all those years ago to those early believers. It's very much relevant for us today. What I find interesting are the similarities between this letter and the theme and the letters that we've already looked at who were written by Paul. Here in this chapter, in chapter 4, verse 10, Peter speaks to the gifts that are within the body of Christ. Paul also addressed gifts in his letters to the Corinthians and to the Church of Rome. Do you think this is a coincidence or divine inspiration? That's a trick question. (laughs) Peter speaks to how our words and our service are to be done in a manner that brings God glory. Peter, I mean, Paul also spoke to this. Of course, Peter here is is speaking specifically that the gifts are to be used within the body of Christ, the spiritual gifts, right? Those gifts that apply within the body. But also we've been given talents and just our entire matter is to be reflective and bring God glory outside of the church as well. Everything that we do as believers is to testify to our relationship with Christ. Now, I know this can be a hard um, concept or, or just hard to accept, but let's walk this through, okay? Once we accept Christ as our Savior, His Spirit resides in us. That's the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes with the fruit, which we learned about in last season, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, all that good stuff. And all of those attributes are characteristics of God. That's what they really are. But they need to be developed in us. Some of us, one could argue, we we have some things innately. But when the Holy Spirit comes in us, it's like, okay, now they need to be developed more fully to bring God glory. And God develops them in us through our life's journey. I've stated that... um, Our caring or my caring for my mom was the gymnasium that God used to work out all of the elements of the fruit of the spirit, all of them. So this season of caregiving for you, dear loved one, is also your gym, but it will not be the only experience that God uses to allow the fruit to come to the forefront. He uses our life, right? Various circumstances, challenges, but why does he do this? I believe it's because this is the conforming of us in the image of Christ, which is what we are, what we should strive or strive to achieve 
And that's what God works out in us. God uses the experiences and challenges that we face to draw draw out those elements of the fruit of the spirit so that we look more like Christ and then others see Christ in us. Our life becomes that testimony, that sweet aroma to God. Now, going back to why everything that we do or say should be seasoned with Christ in order to provide, it provides a valid testimony of our relationship with him. Does it not or should it not? I guess that would be a better question. So, Can one really profess to be a Christian, a Christian man, so to speak, or a woman, and abuse their spouse? What fruit of the Spirit, what element of the fruit of the Spirit is being used in that scenario? I I don't know. Or can you say that you are a Christian, but you cheat on your taxes? Does it not say when you're cheating on your taxes that you don't trust God enough that he's going to supply all all of your needs? And does it not go against what we've read in scriptures that speaks to our submitting to authority? Or maybe the words that come out of your mouth are harsh and profane. Once again, how does that tie up with the fruit of the spirit that is in you? How do all of these examples give glory and honor to God? That's the question. The only way they do, really, is once you've stopped doing them and you come out of them and you give a testimony as to where God has brought you from, right? But it's still, it seems inconsistent. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5, he states that, We are the salt of the earth, the disciples, the people, his followers. But if the salt loses its flavor, what good is it? Now, salt is a preservative. And back then, you know, they had no refrigeration and all those kind of things. So they really needed salt. So if something was going to be intact and it was going to be edible, salt was used to preserve it. But if 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 they didn't keep the salt in a container, you know, well protected if they left it out in the open or if they spilled it on the ground it lost its potency and so therefore it was no longer of use it couldn't sustain it couldn't preserve anything and that's what I believe Peter is addressing in that statement that you know everything that we do it should bring honor and glory to God he's saying in the church I'm saying outside of the church as well in conjunction with what Paul wrote in some of his letters because if we're going to be the salt our relationship with Christ or our proximity to Christ is what preserves us is what keeps us potent so to speak right It allows whatever we touch to be um, sustained in a sense. Because we as Christians, we bring Jesus to the party everywhere we go. If we're Christians, we're bringing him to the party. He's with us. His Holy Spirit is with us. So if we aren't in close proximity with him, if if, if, if we aren't diligently seeking him, and allow, you know, our saltiness to be reserved, preserved then we lose our potency not our salvation but just our fervent witness and I believe that the more that we distance ourselves from God you know not engaging in the routine devotionals or prayers and bible studies and not actively being in a church fellowship all of this leads to us distancing 
ourselves from God and our loose of potency, salt potency, so to speak. And when you lose that, you can't see the hypocrisy in your actions. You can't see it. <clears throat> the world doesn't see the relationship that you say to them that you have. What they see are your actions. You can't see your hypocrisy, but the world sees it. And therefore your witness is lost. And therefore God isn't given the glory. I think it's no coincidence that after Peter addresses, you know, how the congregation is to love each other and how they are to behave, then he turns his gaze toward the shepherds, the elders. He first identifies himself as being one, which I think is good, that self-identification. He is one with the people. But then he goes to the leaders of the church or the overseers, which he states, I think it's wonderful that um, we have these letters that address the structure to help us understand the importance of structure and governance. We need it, and creation operates in structure. Creation operates with a set of guidelines and rules. Gravity is one such guideline. The seasons as they come in and out, even though we've kind of messed with it with what we've done, there's still seasons. There is an order to everything. Yet we are rebellious and we resist order. Why? One three-letter word. Sin. We're born into it and we rebel against it. Being a leader is not easy. <laughs> Why do you think? And being, being a leader with God's people? Oh my goodness, why do you think so many leaders in the Bible's initial response when God was calling them was, uh, no thank you, try somebody else. Because they know that we're crazy. Church folks, you and me, cray cray. We can be. <laughs> but Peter instructs the leaders not to take advantage of their position. That they are there because God appointed them to be there. And that they are to act accordingly. They are to be the examples that we follow. Now, I've always said, we are not perfect. We are going to stumble. We are going to fall. So if, you know, you are doing things that you're like, I know this isn't what God is calling me to do. The fact that you know that you're not supposed to be doing it is good. That means the Holy Spirit can still speak to you. And then you're going to get out of it. Sometimes it's hard to get out of the sin that we created, the muck that we've created. But as we continue to pray to God, he will get us out of that. And so our leaders, we have to remember, are human as well. And they're going to sin, they're going to fall. But it's the repentance that we need to look at. Not the hypocrisy if they think that I can do this, but you can't. Something is wrong. But they are to be our examples. Then he turns his gaze to you and me, you know, the crazy church folks, that we are to humble ourselves before our leaders as they try to establish structure in the order of things because doing so brings peace, which is what? An element of the fruit of the Spirit. Hello. See, there's a method to all of this. God set it up that way. Peter then addresses the hardship that they're facing, the growing hostility towards them, and encourages them to stay the course, to stand firm in their faith, remembering that what Jesus did for them, reminding them that they're, they do have an enemy who is waiting to take advantage of them in their weakness, to lure them away from what they know to be true. 
And see, this is why I believe it is so important for us to maintain a close proximity to Jesus, to actively seek him, to grow in our relationship with him. Not because it will prevent us from experiencing hardships, hello, caregiving, or challenges, but because when we do, we will be able to stand firm. Peter, in his role as apostle, which is a form of shepherding, recognizes the need for encouragement. He recognizes that he needed to encourage, he needed to remind, and he needed to instruct. Caregiving is a perfect time, I believe, for encouragement, encouragement and love. You have a person who is dependent upon you, and your love and encouragement help them in this season. And notice I said them, because this season isn't about you, as my season of caregiving wasn't about me. It was about my mom. It's about your loved one, and it's about their needs. But I'm here to tell you that God will meet your needs as you allow him to use you to meet the needs of the one whom you're caring for. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Father, for setting up structure in creation and in the body of Christ and our families and in our nation, in our world. Forgive us for being rebellious. <laughs> for allowing the sin to rise up against us when we hear of some type of an instruction, no matter what it is or who it comes from, and we immediately rebel against that. Help us to recognize that that isn't from you, but to look at it through your eyes and see if the instruction that is being given is being given to bring peace, stability, goodwill. Help us to not be a rebellious people. Thank you, Father, for sending words of encouragement through this letter in Peter, reminding us of who Jesus is and what he did for us, but also that we need to stay the course, remembering because of what he did, that what he did we can stand firm, and that you use the experiences that we go through in our individual lives, that you have ordered our steps, and that you use these experiences to draw us closer to you, to conform us to the very image of our Savior. And so we thank you for developing the fruit of the Spirit that is within us. And we ask that any of the elements that are dormant that you work out of us because our desire is that our lives bring you honor and glory. Help us in this season of caregiving to be encouragers to the person whom you've given us charge over, to be loving to the person who you've given us charge for, so that in this season, they know that you love them. Because it may be hard on us, but it's so much more harder on them as they go through it. So bless them. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, I will see you next episode. Now, go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.